pulled pork sandwich. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm with you. Welcome to the Grace Life Fellowship Podcast. On today's episode, Jesse and Tim sit down with Dr. Andrew Farley for a special edition of Conversations of Grace. Dr. Farley is a best-selling author of several books, the latest of which is Twisted Scripture. He is pastor at Church Without Religion in Lubbock, Texas, and he is a radio show host. Check out the show notes for information on all of these. Today's discussion is called Dividing the Word. Okay, here's Jesse. Welcome, everybody. This is Jesse, and I am joined here with our lead pastor, Tim Chalice, and our good friend and special guest, Andrew Farley of Andrew Farley Ministries. Yes. How's it going, guys? Hey. Good. How are you? Good, good. Good to be with you, Andrew. Yeah. Glad to be here, guys. So tonight, we're going to discuss some lies that we hear in the church, right? Not Maybe not this church, but churches across the board. Um, we want to start with uh, the New Testament era begins with Jesus's birth. Mm. Yeah. So this is kind of a, a big one. I mean, for a lot of people, they open their Bible to Matthew 1, then they flip back one page, and in big block letters, the publisher has that divider page. It says the New Testament. And so our assumption is with the birth of Jesus, that's the New Testament. That's the New Testament era. That's the New Covenant and then we discover, well, wait a minute, that's not exactly right, because, I mean, uh, Jesus was born under the law, Galatians 4. So if he was born under the law, then grace hasn't come in yet. The new covenant hasn't come in yet. It's not inaugurated. And then Hebrews 9 says the new covenant doesn't go into effect um, unless there's blood, just like the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant came in with Moses killing animals, sprinkling it all over the scroll, and then, this is pretty gross, but he sprinkled it all over the people. And I always say that's a church service I'm willing to miss, right? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, it's kind of messy. But God's making a point. He's saying a covenant doesn't go into effect without blood. Likewise, the new covenant doesn't go into effect without Jesus's blood. Therefore, it's not the birth of Christ, but it's the death of Christ that is the dividing line of human history. And and Tim, I mean, for me, that helps me with everything Jesus is saying, because Jesus says some stuff that seems uh, over the top. Yeah, it sure helps us understand what he's mean and, and, and what covenant he's speaking under, huh? Yeah. Like Timothy says, rightly divide the word, and it means literally to cut straight the word of God. And how is the word of God cut? How is it divided? Yeah. It's divided in covenants. So it, it helps us to understand when this new covenant started. Otherwise, I look at these red letters of Jesus, and I think, oh, that's the new covenant stuff. And actually, when you look at some of the red letters of Jesus speaking under the law— there's, it's not New Covenant at all. It's actually leading people to the fullness of what the law is supposed to bring to drive them to this grace of God in the New Covenant that's yeah. inaugurated. So, Jesse, like, I'm just thinking of, like, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye, be mm -hmm. perfect like God is perfect. Um, you know, just the whole Jewish framework of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5. I mean, it's like we shove it under the carpet or something, but... He's saying, um, you know, anger equals murder, 
and looking equals adultery. And then he says, you'll go into the fiery hell. And on top of that, he says, you'll be answerable to the Sanhedrin. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't hung out with the Sanhedrin lately. <laughs> nice group of fellas. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Pretty well, cool. I need to get to know them. Uh, but, you know, then the other thing is when you're going to give your animal sacrifice on an altar, uh, wait a minute now, it's hypocritical of you. If you have something against your brother, then go and get right with your brother first and then come back and use that pile of rocks for your bull or your goat. Make sure, you know, you sacrifice them correctly. I mean, we're not doing this stuff. And it's high time that the church just kind of wake up and say, wait a minute, there's a context to some of what Jesus is saying, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, that just makes you scratch your head and go, okay, why is he talking about the Sanhedrin and animal sacrifices? And then we start going, oh, the new covenant has not come into effect yet. That's going to be at his death. So then Jesus is like showing them the, the true standard of the law, and there's no way they can do it. They're all hypocrites, and that's the whole point. Yeah. It's making it impossible. Yeah. For them to even follow it. Yes. Yeah. It, it's pretty interesting. When he shows them the real standard of the law, they were, they, they were teaching, they were fulfilling the external requirements of the law. And he actually, by upping the standard, shows the internal intent that was to be revealed, that it was man's hearts that were wicked and far away from God. They were dead. They were whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. They look good on the outside. It's religion. But they were dead on the inside. And so... Jesus is teaching in the in Matthew 5 and 6 is actually leading them to an internal revelation of something's really wrong if we will just be honest and admit it. Right? Yeah. I'm addicted. I'm a slave of sin. That's I've right. got a I got a serious problem here. So it, it's kind of like um the idea of uh, the Mount Everest. I mean, uh, the the analogy I like to give is you show up at Mount Everest and there you are at base camp. And everybody at base camp is under this delusion that they've hit the peak. And so they're celebrating, they're uh, bringing out the champagne, and, and they're cheering about having reached the summit of Mount Everest. And really, they're still at base camp. And that was what it was like for Jesus. He shows up on the scene, and the Pharisees are beating their chests, thinking they've arrived at the peak of Mount Sinai, the peak of, of law-based living. And he's saying, you guys are nowhere near the summit. <laughs> nowhere close. You're all the way down here. And how do you how do you tell people that? I mean, it's tough love, but you're not going to go pat them on the back and tell them they're doing a great job. you got to tell them they're whitewashed tombs. You might even have to call them snakes or vipers sometimes. And then you might have to tell them, hey, uh, avoiding murder, is that what you think arriving looks like? <laughs> no. How about anger equals murder? Uh, avoiding adultery? Oh, bravo. I mean, how about looking with lust equals adultery? Right. So he keeps showing them you're nowhere near the peak of law-based living. And then 2,000 years later, we Christians come along and we're using the Sermon on the Mount like it's a nice, sweet, warm passage for Christian growth. Memory verses. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's nails in the coffin right. of anybody yeah. who thinks they can do it. If we could just see how loving Jesus was to show us that the law was given not as a standard to live by, but as as an, to show us that we could never live that way, right? Yeah. It was never given to us to show us how to live. It was given us to show us that we were dead. And then when we realize we're dead, we can run to a Savior.
Mm-hmm. And Jesus was hammering the law so that people would run to him because he loves them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wants to save them from this. Yeah. yeah. But it seems like, uh, you know, the most popular interpretation of those words is to water them down, say they're hyperbole or exaggeration, and that we should shoot for the stars, do our best, don't worry, God grades on a curve. But really what you read in there, guys, I mean, you're reading that hell is threatened three times. Um, there's conditional forgiveness in there. If you forgive others, God will forgive you. Um, there's actually a plea at one point where if you do these certain things, you will be uh, children of God. So you go, wait a minute, I have to do that in order to earn this status as children of God? There's so much in here that is contrary to justification by faith. Right. I mean, be perfect like God is perfect. And in context... It's like, you know, God brings rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. God is completely impartial. He's totally loving. He's completely kind. So just be like God. Just be perfectly loving and kind like God. And for anybody to walk away from that teaching going, okay, I'm going to put that in my clipboard today and memorize this verse and apply it and, and that, try my best. That's such a powerful point, Andrew, that that the, the listening audience of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount did not walk away encouraged. Yeah, do you, <laughs> yeah. do you really want God to forgive you and that be um, based on how you forgive others? Right. I mean, how how good are we Not at here. That? <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Yeah, and you see the reaction. I mean, it's confirmed. Uh, the Pharisees were ticked off at Jesus right. all the time. And so the Pharisees went away mad. And then the rich man, it says he went away sad. So mission accomplished, right? I mean, Jesus wasn't always trying to bring that nice, warm Italian feeling after a good bowl of pasta. I mean, this is the Lord with a sword drawing a line in the sand saying, there's no way you can you can reach this standard. And when we just admit that, I mean, Tim, to me, it's like against the backdrop of that incredible and impossible standard, then I see my need for God's grace to the max. That's right. And and that's Jesus's heart. I want you to see what you really need. You think you can do this by striving harder. He says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. Can you imagine just being a lay person in the listening audience and you've had these Pharisees teaching how righteous they are and their standard and you couldn't even compete with that Mm. and then jesus comes along and says it's worse than that you've got to compete greater than that you've got to have a righteousness not to their standard but to god's Mm. i mean i just think everybody walked away from there if they're being honest totally discouraged but but with the hope of what the intent of the law was well if i can't do this well enough what can what can i do right who can rescue me from this Jesus is dry. He's the Lord with the sword to show them the cross yeah. and what they really need. So love your enemies. We make that into this pie in the sky thing we're shooting for. Pray for them. Love them. And that sounds so very spiritual until you see, wait a minute. It actually says, let people beat you up. And then it says, let people take all your stuff and don't ask any questions. If they want the shirt off your back, let them sue you. Let them take all your stuff. Give to whoever asks of you. So literally, if some unbeliever cracked open Matthew 5 and 6 and they came up to you and said, hey, uh, Jesse, aren't you aren't you a Christian? And you would have to say, well, yeah. And they say, well, you know, I've been reading in Matthew. And so um, I'd really like all your stuff now. 
And you know, I mean, if you were <laughs> obeying, I mean, I mean, I'm not even trying to be facetious no, right. here. I mean, if sure. if we're supposed to obey as red letter Christians all the words of Jesus, then who are we to say, oh, you know? Uh, he 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 didn't really mean that. He he just was saying try to be nice. It doesn't say try to be nice. It says let people beat you up, give all your stuff away, let yourself be sued. Uh, you know, and go on the and second on. mile. So this is good. Yeah. I don't have to go two miles. Right. I can barely make that first one. <laughs> this is real freeing news. The biggest inconsistency there is that we would have to say that Jesus is putting is is really reinforcing the law on all these people. Yeah, he he's saying that he he's going to fulfill the law. Mm-hmm. And then he's reinforcing that That's everyone's right. still under it. So right? as per I mean, human nature, because we can't reach the perfect standard of the law, what do we do? We justify our best efforts towards it. Yeah. Everybody that says they can reach that is being hypocritical. Right. Even even the great apostle Paul, as a, as a Pharisee, he says in Philippians 3, when it came to the righteousness found in the law, I was found blameless. But he also admitted, but when it came to this inner attitude, this one, this one law that I couldn't say I was blameless was the law of coveting. Yeah. So, so when Paul, who had a zeal for God but not according to knowledge, when he was honest, he realized, hey, I'm doing the best. I'm doing everything it requires on the outside, but there's something wrong on the inside. Yeah. And so at least he was honest. Yeah. Right? The law always produces defeat if you're honest and hypocrisy if you're not. Amen. And yeah. guys, I, I think it's been great to discuss the words of Jesus and to not water them down, but to just say, let's take them at face value, and then let's put them on the right side of the cross, that is, before the cross, yes. recognize their context, and then we don't have to dismiss them, water them down, call them exaggeration or anything. We can take them as Jesus intended, as a perfect and impossible standard. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So what do we say to those who want to call Jesus their high priest, but they still look to the law for righteousness and perfection. Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, it's the it's the paperwork of Jesus, the passport of Jesus, his lineage, his heritage that helps us see this law grace issue with such clarity because, you know, Jesus was not born into the right tribe to be a priest under the law. Everybody knows, I mean, Old Testament priests, they were Levi and Aaron. They were Levites, Levitical priests of that tribe. And then here comes Jesus with the wrong passport, the wrong paperwork, the long, wrong lineage, the wrong heritage. And God did that on purpose. I mean, he put Jesus into this other tribe because he wanted us to see Jesus is not an add-on to the law. He's, he's not, not extending it. He's not extending right. it. He's not an addendum. It's not one more Levitical priest in a long line of priests. No, when there's a change of priesthood, there's a change of law. And Hebrews says that because the paperwork of Jesus, the passport of Jesus I mean, he's a renegade, he's a table turner, he's turning furniture over in church, and he doesn't have the right paperwork to be a priest. So if Moses were to encounter Jesus and say, excuse me, sir, you're calling yourself high priest, uh, can I see your papers? He would have no papers to yeah. qualify him. And God did it on purpose to say, you can't grab Jesus and look to him as your high priest and then turn back to Moses because Moses says Jesus can't serve as priest. That's right. It's mm. such good news that God doesn't want us to mix this at all. Yeah. Right? If you if you rob the law of its power 
to condemn and reveal death, you you don't see a true need for a savior. Yeah. If you rob grace by mixing it with law, you lose this freeing power. You're still living by a standard and code and ethics and some cold, distant code. But when we understand that they are mutually exclusive dynamics, mutually exclusive uh, systems, then we can maintain the purity of what grace brings, right? And we don't need to mix it with law. The grace of God, who is Jesus, is able to do what the law could never do. That's what Romans 8 says. What the law could not do, God did by Mm. sending his son. So we can turn from the law. It did its job. It revealed our need. We see Jesus, and we can run headfirst into him and be so thankful that he is our new way of life. Yeah, amen. And now we're working from a a, a perfected heart, a new heart, and the laws are written on our hearts, right? Mm. So we're not having to bounce anything off of this this standard of, of a mosaic law right? that we've seen in the past. Yeah, but it is a common misconception that the law, meaning the Jewish law, the Old Testament law, is written on our heart. And it, it sounds pithy and cool. It's very popular to say. But I, I love that you, when you were expressing your idea, you said laws or commandments, plural, not the law, the Jewish law, but these new commands like, uh, you know, love others even as I have loved you. Uh, in fact, you know, First John, it says these are his commands to believe in Jesus and love others even as he's loved us. So we don't have 613 Jewish laws written on our hearts. Right. We don't have no shellfish written on our heart. We don't have no pork. <laughs> written on, yeah, I love yeah. a good, good uh, shrimp cocktail. Amen. Huh? Crawfish down move. in these oh, parts. Oh, yeah, Baton yeah. Rouge. Absolutely. That's right. And uh, pork sloppy joe, pulled pork sandwich. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. So, uh, yeah, we've got so much freedom, and we're not looking at 613 laws written on our hearts. It's amazing, though, we're going to say, you know, some people will say, okay, I'm dead to the law, but the law's written on my heart. I'm free from the law, but the law's written on my heart. Christ is the end of the law for all those who believe, but the law's written on my heart. And we don't see the contradiction there. I mean, it wouldn't be freedom to have the very same law which is a ministry of condemnation and death, then etched on your heart, uh, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So we got to recognize I've got a new covenant heart that's obedient, and I've got new commands written on my heart. And those commands, he actually says, he says they're not burdensome. That's right. Pretty awesome. If they're not burdensome, they must be something we want as well, right? Which proves our heart is in concert, connected, in sync with God's own heart. His desires have become our desires, and we now simply live from the heart. You say it all the time, Andrew, such a powerful message. We're not out there to try to strive and do what God tells us to do. He placed it within us. We just do what we want as we trust Him by faith, and it's exactly what God wants. There's not a believer out there that wants to sin. I didn't say they don't ever feel like it. I didn't say they can't be tempted by it. I said there's not one out there that wants to do it. And that's good news. We have a new heart, and this new heart is is connected to God in such a way that if we will simply trust Him and trust what He's placed in us, this these laws written there, this royal law of love, these new commandments, that we can live in the freedom of what we truly desire. Yeah. You know. Otherwise, it's fake it till you make it, right. and it's like, 
okay, you've got a dirty, wicked heart, but I want you to live holy. You've got an unrighteous uh, heart, but I want you to live righteous. You've got a sinful, wicked heart, but I want you to live holy and good. And, you know, that's basically saying put on a mask and fake it. So what I love about Christianity is that it's authentic and that we've been equipped with the heart we need. And really, you know, I, I guess I wanna I wanna finish with this. It's it's awesome to think about, but we believers are the only ones who can be ourselves and express Jesus at the exact same time without any conflict. I love that. Amen. Well, yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being here, guys. No, Appreciate yeah. you, Andrew. It's good news. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, enjoy Thank you, Andrew. Thank, Thank you, you, Jesse. All right, that does it for today's conversation. We'll be back again next week as Jesse and Tim sit down with new Grace Life Fellowship youth pastor, Jay Patel. We hope you join us for that one. This coming Sunday here at Grace Life Fellowship, Pastor Frank is starting a new series called Being Thankful. We hope you'll join us if you can, and we'll share that here on the podcast next Tuesday. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider donating to support us at gracelifefellowship.org give. Okay, we'll see you next week.